few egregious rhymes in there, but what a song. I've had some uh, dancing in the control room here, some swaying around. Um, Peter, what do you make of Manic Monday? Have you had one? you like the song? Well, I just remember the song. Um, I remember the Bengals in New York and thinking about that song all the time when it was uh, on the radio, I think in the mid-'80s. Prince actually wrote that song. Anna, it's uh, it's a Prince song actually. He wrote it for the wrote wrote it for the Bangles when they needed a hit. Oh, I had absolutely no idea about that. That's fantastic. What a talented talented genius he was. Yeah, manic Monday. Um, I guess it's a good one for parents, eh? Dealing with day one of the school holidays. <laughs> Especially here in Auckland, where it just never seems to stop raining. Uh, you guys have got the snow um, down in the south, Anna. Uh, absolutely, but the uh, sun is shining and it's it's absolutely gorgeous and still. Um, winter is actually one of the best times of year down here, I hate to say. I'm sorry to hear that Auckland's had such a bad, oh, bad run. It's just been so wet. Well, I'm delighted with your taste in music there, Guy, and that's for sure. Oh, so well look, you, with, yeah, you listen throughout the week. I'm going to smash it this week on the... Um, I'm looking forward <laughs> there to the music. There you go. And I get my... Well, um, power ballad. Oh, I'm going to get my power ballad on the Friday. You're going to have to wait for that. <laughs> now, let's deal with some breaking... Um, the gods have been kind to me and given me breaking political news as I've hosted the panel um, today, so I'm quite, oh, uh, quite interested in that. Craig McCulloch is the Deputy Political Editor at uh, RNZ. Um, kia ora, good afternoon to you you, Craig. I'm not sure whether you've been in the post-Cabinet press conference with the Prime Minister this morning, but uh, another day, another minister in real trouble. Good afternoon, Guy, and yes, it seems that every Monday down here at the moment at Parliament is a bit manic. Um, we have had it confirmed. <laughs> Kitty Allen is taking some time out again, taking a few days, a few weeks off rather, a bit of a break. Parliament's actually in recess for the next fortnight. So she is taking that time off. Um, she's tweeted off saying, tweeted saying that it is not mental health leave, that she's just taking some time over these school holidays to look after her child. But of course, this comes in the context of these allegations uh, that have been swirling, that she has treated staff poorly. The Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, was asked at length about them at his post-Cabinet press conference. Um, these are allegations, of course, that Kitty Allen has strongly denied. He says he won't comment on them really at all until he has had a chance to discuss the matter with, with Kitty Allen, and he won't do that, he says, until the end of this two-week break. So he is off to Europe next, month, uh, next week for a NATO meeting, so he's going to meet up with her for a catch-up at that point. He was asked directly about his confidence in her as a minister and uh, notably did not directly answer that question. He would only say that she deserves natural justice and so making judgments at this point is premature. Not a particularly strong vote of confidence there, but at the same time, he did describe her as an exceptionally talented minister. He said that he, she had uh, contributed an awful lot, and the fact that they were going to have a conversation, he said, should not be read as a lack of confidence. So in an ambiguous spot to land, it feels as if Chris Hipkins is treading a little carefully here, waiting perhaps to see if there are more allegations emerge, anonymous or otherwise. And is there going to be any sort of formal investigation or does he does he kick this off to some sort of, you know, KC or some arbiter to, to try to get to the bottom of it? He was asked specifically whether there is a need for an inquiry of that sort, whether there needs to be um, some digging into this allegations. Chris Hitkin says at this point he does not see that being necessary. He says the issues 
seem to have been resolved. These are the um, issues raised by chief executives in the public service um, saying that, um, going back a year or so, that there were issues within that office um, regarding workplace relationships. Now, he says that the feedback from senior levels of the public service is that any issues raised informally back then were resolved at the time, and therefore he does not see the need for there to be an inquiry. So once again, we end up in this somewhat ambiguous position where he's not going to, where there is no inquiry. Perhaps that will change if there are more allegations emerging. Thanks very much for that update there. Craig McCulloch is our Deputy Political Editor. He's just been at the post-Cabinet press conference this afternoon where the Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, has confirmed that Kitty Allen, uh, one of his Cabinet Ministers, is going to be taking a bit of time out. And uh, it seems a little uh, messy for the Labour government at the moment in terms of uh, ministers causing issues for the Prime Minister. How, how do you see this? It's a it's a tricky one. I I think um, I mean all power to Kerry actually for uh, taking the time that she needs as a as a working mum, and someone who's come back from you know some serious health issues, and I mean again the number of times I've heard about people screaming at at people or shouting at people in in Parliament. I mean it's a it's a different time and different landscape now. Behaviour that happened all over the place, you know, five, ten years ago and beyond and before um, was just um, quite a quite an aspect of, of working in Parliament. And I know that um, Mm. Yeah, these allegations sound 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 tricky and serious, but they mm. it sounds like they've been resolved. Yeah, and I think actually fair call, but take the time, talk to her when um, she's had some time out. It's an incredibly stressful environment. We've all been through three years of the pandemic, and I really feel for our representatives who've been having to work through that through that time. Peter, well, such a good look. Now we have a mayor. We have a. Justice Minister, um, I wonder. I wonder if it will, will break the heart of the anti-co-governance folks because I think they're that Kirti Allen's one of their favorite. <laughs> anyway, I, look, I don't. I don't want to joke around, but uh, having a stroppy woman, I don't see what the problem is here. What in the world do we expect of our politicians? She was junior whip. I mean, we use the word whip. So big deal if she gets a little stroppy. Good for it's, her. It's interesting, though. She probably Anna, will pass the Bechtel test, actually. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, Anna touched on it, but it, it is true. I mean, I was watching, um, what do they call it? Uh, the What is it? The the thick of it, isn't it? Yeah. I'm just talking to my mm-hmm. peeps in the control room here. Um, you know, based on Alistair Campbell, really, who's shouting and screaming and swearing. It's a great movie. It's very funny. Um, mm. And gosh, you know, ba- back in the day in journalism and in politics, you'd be yelling and screaming at people. But gee, that's just not acceptable nowadays, is it? You just don't get away with it. Things have just changed massively, right? They have. Well, workplace environments and, and you know, we, we are much more aware. We've had also, we have a lot more millennials working in positions um, who have different expectations of workplace environments. Plus, the thing is, again, both of those these women, Tori Fano, they're, they're um, being, you know, pulled out. They're younger. I, I think this smacks of misogyny. I, um, yeah, I, I really think that Chris, the Prime Minister, has actually um, done well to just say, "I'll, I'll see you after the school holidays." Mm. I mean, an, 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 inter- I, I an interesting, an it. interesting test here is to apply it to someone you don't like. I always find, like, if you look at the behaviour mm. and then think if it was someone on from the politics I really didn't like and a person I, I don't like very much 
and then see whether you've got the same principles. Do you reckon you could both pass that test on this one? Well, it's hard to know what we've actually <laughs> this done. This isn't the Bechdel not... test, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard to actually know what has happened. I mean, there's actually, it's, it seems very hard to, to hear, apart from maybe some shouting. Very cool. Peter? Oh, well, we could talk about the United States because I come from a very left-wing family and we used to think that uh, Ronald Reagan, particularly after the attempt on his life in 1981, which is in the very first months of his presidency, Mm. uh, changed him and that he wasn't up to the presidency. And now we back Joe Biden and we don't want to look at how old and enfeebled he might well be at the age of 80. So it is a very tough one, Guy, to apply the standard to both the folks we like That's what you need to do, and though, we right? don't like. That's what you need to do, isn't it, for consistency? But, yeah, it's a difficult one for us to do as human beings. Um, speaking of um, human beings behaving badly, um, Australia. Do I need any more as a segue? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Australia's win in the second Ashes test has been soured by claims that it breached the spirit of the game. England's Johnny Bairso, he ducked under a bouncer, right? So halfway down the pitch, goes over his head, he, he ducks under it. And it goes through the keeper, and he's walking up the pitch to chat to his fellow batsman, thinking that's the end of the over, we'll have a chat. But the Aussie wicketkeeper, Alex Carey, he tossed down the stumps, basically stumped Barstow, and he was, he was given out. Now, the English coach, the former NZ great Brendan McCullum, said Australia was playing against the spirit of the game, but fans have called him out in response, saying he's a hypocrite because he made similar plays during his time with the Black Caps. Let's talk to sports commentator Brian Waddle. Kia ora, good afternoon to you, Brian. Hi, guys. Welcome to the panel. What do you make of this? Well, it's basically um, what you expect, I, I suppose, from an Ashes series. England playing Australia is always going to be fought with these kinds of issues. And it's not so much about the uh, the laws of the game. It's about the spirit of the game. And, of course, cricket, over a long period of time, has been the last uh, back in, I suppose, of a sportsmanship. You know, it's just not cricket, old chap. And that's the way the game has uh, held itself over a long period of time. But, of course, there are breaches of that spirit in just about every game that is played to some extent or some of the major games. You know, the situation where... Players can be run out not backing up from the non-strikers end. And other issues like this one in particular uh, have uh, been brought to the forefront. Of course, it creates uh, animosity, as it did in the long room at Lords, and three MCC members have been suspended for abusing the Australian players. So oh. it basically starts wow. from... yeah. Mm, didn't know that. I, I watched a video of it. Um, in my in my book, um, as a school age cricketer, it, it did breach the spirit. I felt, you know, it was your classic. That's what you do after, you know. He he ducked under the bouncer. He thought, okay, that's it. He was going up the pitch to chat to his mate. Um, what do you reckon? Like, is that a breach of the spirit? I know legally he's out. Not not going to argue with you there. But was that was that fair? Well, I think that's, that's the issue that you have to come to grips with, I suppose, as a player. You take these decisions, as Kerry did on this occasion, and uh, the umpires were right. They had a look at it on the replay, and it was out. But that then moves on to the story. Well, you also have an obligation as a team to make sure you're doing the right thing. And you can 
uh, withdraw the appeal if you so wish, and that has happened in the international cricket circuit over a period of time. But Pat Cummins, the captain of the Australian side, said he was happy with what decision uh, Carey made and his decision not to do that. And in the heat of a chase for victory, and Australia were under the pump a little bit at that stage from Bairstow and from Ben Stokes, they uh, found uh, the uh, desire not to uh, invite Mm. him back. The thing is that, you know, all these players that that are making um, the comments, McCullum, Stokes, uh, etc., etc., have all got short memories because... (laughs) They did it themselves. McCullum did it himself to... Yeah, because he was a keeper at that point. Yeah, so he he, yeah. he stumped him, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and Ben Stokes didn't bother to uh, recall Colin de Grandholm after Ollie Pope did exactly the same thing in a test match last uh, summer in England. And uh, Stokes was the captain of the side. And there are a couple of other things I could uh, re- recall of uh, Ben Stokes yeah, not well, really well, playing to the spirit. Yeah, of the game. well, maybe maybe the uh, Anna and Peter on the panel might want to uh, test your memory a little further. Anna, am I being biased here? Am I being burnt by the underarm of 1981 and Trevor Chapel? Or does it always seem to be the Australians who do this? Well, that was what immediately came to mind. Um, and um, my boyfriend actually made a comment. He said, oh, those Aussie mongrels. And I was like, oh, that's taking it a little bit too far. But it, oh, no, but it no, really that'll, seemed... that'll be fine. <laughs> but it seemed, I mean, just looking into it, and especially when I, when I hear all these instances, it sounds like these instances could be the spirit of the game, you know, if they are so, you know, they, they do happen. They, they seem to happen again and again and again. Is the spirit changing? Are we, you know, we're away from this stuffy, um, uh, you know, good, jolly good, jolly good shot and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Maybe this is the evolution of the game. P- um, Peter, is this what happens when you bring lots of money into any sport? Well, I, I really don't know how much money is in. Craig can tell us everything about that. But it, it's a real pity that, you know, we can talk about Trump and Biden and, and left and right and labor and national. And this was just such a great opportunity for carry to say hey you know what you know what we won't do this and for Barristow to say no actually you have to wouldn't it be great <laughs> if they just took the other foot and one of them said you know we won't we'll recall you and he says no actually I broke the rules I know the rules and I'm out that's what we should have. I'm reminded of that sort of argument you get when everyone wants to pay the bill but that there probably contradicts <laughs> one of the stories that we did earlier um, it, this has been around a bit hasn't it um, in terms of just taking taking the rules to the limit, Brian. I mean, you know, you, you, you go back and you find plenty of examples for this. The Aussies play it a bit harder than most, though, do you reckon? Yeah, I think they probably do, and they always have done, and, and they've been renowned for it, and probably, to a certain extent, almost hated for it because uh, they have played the game hard. Uh, when it came to the underarm, at the time, of course, that was legal. It was allowed. But it was once more a situation where it was, you're on one side of the fence, yeah, that was okay, or you're on the other side of the fence, well, you shouldn't have done it, it's against the spirit of cricket. But you make the point about the game nowadays and the money that is there. The New Zealand players don't get quite the same money as, say, the Australians or the English get. I mean, most of the uh, Australian players at the top level who are contracted are earning well over a million dollars a year and uh, endorsements, etc. And, of course, the game has got to a stage now where they have uh, television replays to ensure that they get everything right. They don't always work. But it is becoming a, uh, a harder game to play, and I suppose to a certain extent 
a game which does engender animosity. Although, when you look at the Test match up until this point, the first two Test matches that were played, the attitude between the players and the laughing and talking that was going on seemed quite uh, uh, genial and jovial between them. Now I think that attitude might change because... England have lost a test that they looked as though they could have won the way the two batting were going at that stage. Oh, was that right? So it was quite material, was it? I hadn't, I'd, I'd looked at the incident but hadn't looked at its impact on the game, possibly a, a journalistic fail on my behalf. But was it quite a material uh, dismissal? Oh. Well, it was a good partnership. They yeah. were the last two recognised batsmen, but both of them have a, a style of play which is aggressive. And you only have to look at Ben Stokes, who decided once that Bairstow was dismissed, he decided to um, mount an attack on a very good Australian bowling lineup and really slaughtered them around the Lords, much to the delight of the faithful at the game. And they have a full house, of course, at, at Lords, upwards of 30,000 people. And he hit uh, three sixes off one of the pace bowlers from successive deliveries. And, of course, at that stage, uh, they got to a, an area where they could have got within the the target. They only lost by 43 runs, I think, was yeah. the final um, result, 43 runs, which shows how close <laughs> they got yes. and how hard it is to do on the last innings of a test match. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Brian Waddle there, unpicking quite expertly, I thought, the uh, implications of that stumping that was legal but was a bit of a borderline one in terms of ethics. You're with Guy and Espiner on the panel. It's a 525. Well, I remember this, the the days of scouring the streets looking to um, find soft drink bottles that would earn me a few extra cents in a recycling scheme. As of Saturday, single-use plastic produce bags, plates, bowls, cutlery, they are banned. But would this be a good time to go a step further? Now, earlier, this was March or so, the government deferred a plan to introduce a container return scheme. And Greenpeace says the government isn't listening to what the people of Aotearoa want, and they've got an active petition um, which they're putting forward on this. Teresa Lee is Greenpeace's plastics campaigner. Kia ora, welcome to the panel. How's the petition looking? Yes, well, we've got just over 12,000 um, people so far who um, who understand what a container return scheme could do for Aotearoa and want, us, um, want it back on track, basically. And what would that roughly be? I mean, it's basically in terms of, you know, you take your... You take your bottle back and you get, what, 20 cents on it or, or, or whatever and it encourages people to, to recycle, right? Is it, is it much harder than that? Um, no, no, it's not that much harder. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think we are being sold just over two and a half billion beverage containers each year. Approximately um, a billion of those are made from single-use plastic. Um, So the the container return scheme, where there is a small deposit attached to each container um, that you get back when you return it, is an easy solution to lift the return rates of bottles and beverage containers and keep them out of the environment and the landfill. Mm. And 98% is a very clear mandate. Mm. Peter, what do you think? Yeah, well, certainly I grew up with that too, so yeah. I, I recall it doesn't seem to be a problem. I'd like to see it more generalised, though, that 
Um, we should actually just understand things in a 360-degree way. If something has hidden costs, it should be reflected in the price of it. And then maybe we'd buy less stuff. Yeah. Anna? I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. I mean, I think um, this is fantastic. I'm signing the uh, petition right now while we speak. Oh, and okay. um, Look at that. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really. Radio that I makes mean, a difference. <laughs> yeah, we need we need these solutions, and we needed them yesterday. Really, we we really need to get um, this under control. The environment is, um, you know, in in dire threat, and we need to do more. Um, We're pretty so, ready to scrap these things and then claim it's too hard. I mean, the Aussies have one. If you, if you look on bottles, you can see, oh, you'll get 20 cents back if you take it to New South Wales, which is a bit of a stretch if you're in Botany or somewhere. But um, the Aussies have one, don't they? I lived in Berlin yeah. and, um, yeah, yeah, everybody in, right. does it in Germany. It's, it's very common in Europe, yeah. Yeah, Jerissa, is, is th- this is, uh, we're a bit of an outlier here, are we, in not having a scheme like this? Yeah, we, we are a, a little bit behind and, you know, um, I know that our Prime Minister cited the cost of living as the reason why he would defer the container return scheme, but actually a CRS shifts the cost of these, um, you know, our, our beverage containers from ratepayers and, you know, and renters, who are also ratepayers, back, you know, more, more fairly and more equitably to the producers and the consumers. All right. Hey, that music is telling me my time is up. I that, That's really flown by, hasn't it? Thank you, Anna. Yeah. Anna Dean. Peter. Thank you, Peter. Peter Field. Yeah, good morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once I got to know what kind of roughly time of day it was, I had a lot of fun. Back tomorrow. <laughs> well done. Thanks a lot. <laughs>